0: Hey everyone and welcome to Radically Normal. This is Michael and I'm here with Andre and on today's episode, the season finale Q&A, we discuss everything from the existence of God to social media to a surprise question for Andre. We hope you tune in and enjoy uh, our conclusion to season two. What's up everybody?
1: We're super excited to finish off the season with a Q&A like we did last season in season one. Uh, it was a super popular episode. Uh, you know, we think it's it's more fun to just have you know this free flowing uh, random questions and, and kind of go all over the place and, and, and see where, where that may take us. Uh, in the intro, you heard that we'll be talking a little about social media, uh, surprise uh, question for myself, which I'm very interested to find out what that's all he about. He said he's
0: going to be stressed the entire episode. So that, That's
1: potentially very possible. <laughs> but yeah, but it's been a fun time. We just One of our questions was actually how our New Year's was. And uh, it was a very fun time. Uh, we got to see snow, which is really cool, and uh, a nice little intro for uh, going to Colorado tomorrow, actually.
0: Yeah, that'll, that'll be really fun. When this episode releases, we should be, uh, well, we'll be in Frisco, Colorado, Lord willing, and hanging out in Breck uh, on the day that this comes out. But on New Year's, talking about that, we had a lot of exciting things, or potentially negative, but you want to get into that? <laughs> it, was, it was super fun,
1: basically the, the highlight, uh, or maybe the... I don't know. Highlight or low light, but the most crazy thing that happened was our friend's car ended up in some barbed
0: wire and <laughs> got got
1: some pretty deep scratches, which was very unfortunate. But it was oh, overall, by the way,
0: we're not laughing about it. Sorry buddy. Uh we do feel your pain.
1: But it was a really great trip. And you know, even, even with all of that, I would say it was it was really fun. Really fun time and uh really great to get to see some snow. So
0: yeah, it was it was an amazing time, and it's still crazy because I listened to a couple podcasts where they talk about the year, or like it says the date at the beginning of the episode, and it's crazy already to just be hearing, uh, 2021. And we were at church uh, a few days ago, and I was writing the the date at the top of my page to take to take notes on the sermon, and I wrote one slash two, or two. What day was that? One slash three slash twenty, and then scratched it out and had to write one slash three slash twenty one. Andre just looked at me and shook his head. Yeah, that that definitely did happen. I was gonna bring that up, but didn't didn't
1: have time. He kind of kind of took my my thunder there. But <laughs> it, we're we are excited this twenty twenty one. We're super excited for everything that twenty twenty one potentially has to offer, and um, keeping our new New Year's rhythms in mind, uh, which we had an episode on that uh, recently. But yeah, we're super excited to jump into all these questions, and there's a lot of them. We want to hit as many as possible, so uh, you want to go ahead and, and jump into
0: the first question we want, to, we want to talk about? Yeah, so the first question was uh, really good, I thought, and it kind of roots back to a few conversations we've had before, but the first question was, what got you guys so into theology? And uh, Andre, I know we both have some thoughts, but why don't you get us going here?
1: Yeah, that's uh, I thought it was a really good question, and because we already had kind of an episode about getting into theology... Uh, As a resource for all of you guys who are listening to the podcast, we thought we'd uh, go with this question first. Um, So, you know, that episode that we released is a really good resource as well as our Instagram TV series on uh, at Radically Normal Pod. Uh, So those are two really excellent resources that, you know, we pulled from a bunch of different places and Michael put together a lot of really good notes packages. We said we could send those notes off to anyone who wanted to potentially see them. Uh, Just let us know if you want to see those, but basically walk through the entirety of the Bible. And I think that's a really good place to start. Um, for me personally, I, uh, maybe like a year and a half ago started seeing how much, uh, you know, the shortfall was for people of my age group to not really be focused on, on discipleship at a a younger age. And I, and I really saw, um, how great Michael is about that and then how he studies the Bible and how he really cares about, you know, understanding all, all of the, um, connections between different books and, you know, the Bible study he was, you were teaching in, in high school. And I think that I started like really developing a care, uh, for having that deeper understanding and and having a deeper care for, for discipleship. And that's kind of where it started off for me. And then kind of hearing from a bunch of really great, um, pastors and speakers and, and seeing how there was more of a, a deeper understanding you could have of theology by really diving in deep and, and having some more, um, you know, mental, um, ability to, you know, comprehend and understand how everything fits together.
0: Yeah, that's so good. I would barely add anything to Andre's. Uh, I I like the tie between theology and discipleship. There's even a great book by Keith Johnson called Theology as Discipleship, which just goes hand-in-hand hand with this idea, but I really got into it. When you see the flow of the Bible, when, when you don't even know Hebrew and Greek, but you see the connection between uh, words in the Old and the New Testament, you see the fulfillment themes, uh, just studying the entire Bible really got me into that. Uh, uh, Mr. Rob Snyder, who we had an episode with in Season 1 on Genesis, uh, was a big catalyst that the Lord used for this in my life. And I just think that in a, in a day and age when there's so many different philosophies and spirituality thoughts uh, in our culture, the, a Christian needs to be discipled in, uh, in theology to have systematic categories to understand God and to understand the flow of the scripture so that we might understand uh, the world that God has created, not, not any false narrative, but the narrative that uh, God has placed us in. And that's, that's all I'd say, I guess. Uh, Andre's answer, I thought, was spoke for me as well. Sweet, man.
1: And, you know, if you guys have any questions or want any of those resources, uh, be sure to reach out uh, via, you know, Instagram DM or whatever you guys feel comfortable with. So
0: now moving into our second question for for the Q&A. It's very uh, relevant or, you know, it, basically the same question almost, I feel like, or we can move right into it.
1: Now getting into our second question, which is, like Michael said, super related. Um, it's more so resources to study the Bible quicker, which we kind of touched on. With the first question or, or at least I did, but do you have any additional uh, resources that potentially people could use besides the ones uh, with our podcast? I know there's a lot of really great resources out there that we could point people to.
0: Yeah, you can go with I could name, you know, dozens of books, but the, the best resource is again the Bible, but I want to mention a specific kind, the ESV and there are other Bibles. <coughs> there are other Bibles like this. This is really funny because this is one of the first times Michael's had to cough on the podcast and That's in, true. In, a, in a very evident way. That's true. So, Crossway produces an ESV reader's Bible, and so what a reader's Bible does, some don't even have the uh, chapter numbers, but the one that I have does, but essentially it removes the verses. So what's good about that is it it removes anything that could like make it harder to read uh, several chapters or books of the Bible at once to understand the flow of the narrative and the flow of the argument and the themes that unravel in the Bible. So for instance, having this is something I always take on trips. I usually take a break from my slower daily Bible reading and just read through an entire book or two. And Having the Reader's Bible allows me to uh, either study something re- that's uh, study something quickly if I'm you know teaching or thinking through like an entire book I can sit down with that and just read that, and it just allows me to study the flow of Scripture without thinking through verses and and all of that stuff. So I recommend the Reader's the Reader's Bible. It's really good.
1: I will give one maybe potential counterpoint to the actual question, but uh, when as Michael and I were talking about. Studying the Bible and kind of what our goals were for which books of the Bible we wanted to read this year and potentially uh, finishing up one at the around the same time so we could, you know, potentially read one together and, and, and have more discussion about it or whatever. But interestingly, the question is what can, you know, allow you to learn the story of the Bible quicker? But one thing that Michael and I were talking about is actually slowing down. So I know that, you know, you were saying that you potentially just read like three verses some mornings and, you know, spend over an hour on it. So I think that sometimes we need to also like slow down and kind of back to the first question about, you know, getting into theology, slowing down, really understanding all the connections and all that. But that's really all I have on this question. So now if, if you're ready, we can move on to the next question.
0: Yeah, let's go. So the third question is, uh, is social media good or bad? And are there verses that relate to social media? Sweet. I think this is also
1: a really good question and, and kind of connects, or at least I feel like I can and c- can connect it. Um, but if Do you have any thoughts uh, if you want to kick us off? I know you have potentially a few articles and then I'll get some thoughts as well after that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've I've thought about this for a long time and uh, I've seen how social media in my own life and in others can be both destructive and helpful. For instance, this is unpopular for people that I feel like are our age, but I enjoy Twitter the most because uh, I've basically unfollowed a lot of people that I find to either be toxic or just uh, unhelpful to thoughtful development or learning. And on Twitter, I follow a lot of theologians and... uh, even reporters that I find insightful into politics, but mainly like theologians and pastors and Christian thinkers. So I find a lot of the discussions on there very helpful. And I would just say that when the Bible is written, yes, the Spirit was writing it, but it was also with authorial intent. So the authors had an intent within their given context and culture. So they didn't have social media. So obviously Twitter is not in James or something, the Proverbs of the New Testament. But I would say that there's verses that speak to, you know, how you should speak Uh, to people. Like Proverbs talks about your words giving life. And so we we shouldn't be tearing people down on social media or leveraging people uh, for our good, but we should be still seeking to exalt the name of Jesus.
1: That's really good, man. And you know what What I will say about it is that while every single source of social media has its pitfalls, uh, one thing we were talking about actually on our, um, during New Year's was how there's a lot of space On those platforms to reach a whole lot of people and while you know originally you know potentially facebook could have been seen as something that was like of the devil or something when it first came out as one of the first few social media forms that wasn't like myspace or whatever but eventually you know a bunch of pastors and and really good strong christians got onto the platform and and started like giving a lot of really really great resources to where now um, potentially we don't think that Facebook is, is awesome, but there are a lot of great resources you could find. Michael said that now Twitter has a lot of pastors and, and good Christian thinkers on there giving a bunch of resources and discussions. And I think that, you know, Christians need to take what they, what, uh, opportunities they can in all these platforms. And I think there's a big ability to, to reach people. There are already some strong Christians who are, you know, potentially like on Instagram or TikTok who are trying to, you know, spread the gospel or, or talk about certain things. And, and while those newer platforms potentially have more room for, you know, you know, bad ideas or thoughts being spread. I think that, you know, taking those and finding how us as Christians can allow God to work through us uh, to, you know, provide the best, be the light in any of those resources. I think that's valuable.
0: Yeah, I think that we're, I think so far, I feel like we've, like really talked through like a lot of the good, the spread of the gospel, good conversations. You can learn from the right people. I do think there are a lot of pitfalls though. So, I mean, this might be more uh, common in the, in the female realm, but even for males, like comparison can be a big problem on social media, whether it's like people that are stronger than you, or you're envious of somebody enjoying a vacation that you can't enjoy uh, at the moment, or people just wasting their time on social media. That's to, really good, man. Eat- if
1: you're spending too much time on social media, not enough time to, you know, accomplishment of your goals and and that kind of thing
0: yeah exactly and like if you're watching tv or uh spending more time on instagram per day than you're you know like reading your bible or like reading or just like having fruitful conversations with people that might be a little problematic and then the biggest one for me with social media especially twitter might be tribalism that now there's so much specialized news and conversation on social media that you can basically end up in like conspiracy theory groups or basically just put yourself in a network where you're only hearing opinions from like your side of things so you're never seeing people that disagree with you or anything of that sort you're just kind of in your own little bubble which i think creates a lot of specialization but not enough uh not enough people who are generalists who have like a wide variety of of opinions or potentially are exposed to those things so tribalism might be like a pitfall of social media
1: and in terms of resources which you know potentially aren't um just reading. I know sometimes people, you know, go to these resources because it's very visual and and very quick satisfaction, all that. But, you know, potentially you could look towards YouTube. There's a lot of great YouTube videos um, from a lot of, you know, famous pastors and strong Christians and all that, or podcasts. If you're listening to this podcast, obviously you might like podcasts. There's a lot of amazing podcasts out there and there's a lot of really great ways to, you know, stimulate
0: the mind and and eyes that aren't just social media and, and things that could potentially be toxic. Yeah, that's really good. I wouldn't add anything. I think there's good and bad to social media, and like anything, God redeems and God will use. So I think that uh, God uses social media, but there's also a lot of sinful tendencies uh, that that go astray. I don't. I don't have anything else. That's really good, man.
1: And then so let's go into our next question. This one's potentially a little bit longer. It might take a little more, a little more time. But uh, we got a few longer, harder questions, and and we kind of uh, picked this one as, as one that we wanted to spend a little bit of extra time on. Uh, and, and really get into the roots of for you guys. So let's jump into the top proving the existence of God.
0: Yeah, I think that one thing that I just say from the outset that we might get into a little bit down the road in this question is that it's hard to say the word prove because it's not like it's not a it's not a math or geom like a proof in geometry. There it's more about making arguments and thinking through these things that tend to th- push us towards theism, kind of like in our interview with uh, Dr. Gavin Ortland where he talked about how math and music point us towards theism. Not He didn't use the word prove, and he doesn't in his YouTube videos, but he does talk about how they point us towards theism or the existence of God. So, Andre, do you want to maybe jump into some different arguments for the existence of God? Yeah, I'll start going into some arguments. Feel free to stop me and uh, you know jump in with any
1: additional thoughts that you have. So we have four main arguments here that we want to talk about. Uh, the first is the ontological argument, and this one was really, really interesting to me. At least, um, so this one was popularized by Anselm.
0: Anselm, yeah. So Anselm, Anselm was a medieval theologian. I'm going to let Andre talk about this one, but Anselm was a medieval theologian, and actually, uh, Doctor Gavin Ortland, who we did an interview and I just talked about, has done a lot of research with Anselm and he's talked about him in a lot of different places. Sweet man. And so basically, the idea
1: here is that um, in order to prove or or argue the existence of of God or uh, you know supreme being, um, basically you can argue that. Um, just as seen in, in the definition of God. Um, and basically, so the idea there is that, um, ha- the idea that we can, you know, imagine God as being a high being, the highest being, um, you know, that kind of proves that, um, you know, th- once we think of God and, you know, his existence in our mind, um, because we can't think of a higher or greater being in our minds, then that means that God must be the, the highest being. Uh, because of that, you know, connection between existence and and uh, the ability to think or, or imagine something in our in our mind, and therefore, um, you can argue that God or a greater being must exist.
0: Yeah, I think that's good. I I would just say this argument's really complicated. The flow from what Andre's talking about is maybe essentially just that. If we can't imagine something greater than God and God exists in the mind as an idea, then God does exist in reality. And so this is actually something that C.S. Lewis talks about uh, as well a little bit. But yeah, I think you did a good job of explaining that. That's probably the most complex argument I feel like, maybe.
1: Sweet. And then, okay, so another argument is the uh, teleological argument. So jumping into this one, uh, basically the idea here is that you know the best explanation for uh, the order, um, you know, the laws of physics, um, you know, all the expansions of, of the universe and all those things, the, the basically the design of the universe. The best explanation for that um, is actually the, would be the existence of God, of, you know, a creator who, you know, designed all this, all of the universe to be this way. Um, you know, at some point I saw, I don't know who quoted this, but it was, you know, you know, have, being an atheist would require more faith in you know, falling after Christ.
0: That's actually a title of a book. I forget who it's by, but the book is titled, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist.
1: Yeah. I don't know who it's by. I don't forget who, where that came from, but I have definitely heard it or heard it in in some sermons or something. Uh, But that's kind of the idea that, you know, seeing all of the, of the design of the universe, the best explanation for that is God. And then I don't know if you have anything else to add to this one, but going into another argument would be the cosmological argument. So this would be a more, you know, this is a a causal explanation for the universe. So basically, uh, the the fact that we have a a universe and everything that, you know, we see of of creation, uh, this had to have had a cause. um, And then the cause for that would be, would be God would be a creator.
0: Yeah, just to expand on that, the reason for that thinking is everything that's created or done has a cause. So the reason you would build a a train would be so that you can transport people. So it has a cause, it has a reason for creation, and so does the universe. This, that, That's the cosmological argument. And uh, the last one is the moral argument. This might be the one that's been most popularized in the last 100 years, particularly by C.S. Lewis. But this is maybe the one that I even find the most compelling, that we have objective moral laws and values in the universe uh, that are kind of transcendent, that everyone would adhere to perhaps, even if they're atheistic or Dar- or Darwinistic in a sense of there not being a god, is that there are objective moral laws that, uh, what, you know, people... Uh, will stand against murder and understand deep down in their conscience that that is wrong to take another human life without uh, a need for justice. There, just to do it, to do it would be would be wrong. Or uh, you even have atheist philosophers since the Enlightenment period talking about how without Christianity, there's no explanation for equality. That that we the only ground for equality and human rights is Christianity, and without that, you're left with a Darwinistic social order that doesn't that worldview doesn't support. Uh, the existence of human rights and equality for all people. I I know you wanted to potentially talk a little more about C.S. Lewis. I think we have enough times where you could probably do a a, a quick... uh overview of of that point. Yeah. So I think C.S. Lewis, it's in a, it's in a more obscure book. I don't remember the title, but C.S. Lewis was talking to an unbeliever or writing letters or something and they were exchanging questions and, and arguments and thoughts. And an unbeliever asked why God doesn't just make his existence obvious. Like why isn't there a burning bush incident all the time? And so Lewis said, there's not demonstrative proof for Christianity, just like there's not demonstrative proof for matter or the honesty of his best friends. And Lewis said that he doesn't think God is interested in a sort of theism or the existence of God where there's just a logical agreement or logical assent that leads to an easy conclusion about himself. This goes with uh, a a couple commentators on John have talked about how, or at least one has talked about how and this was in one of the top 10 books that I read, but Bruner talks about how Jesus gives enough of himself to make faith possible, but withholds enough to make faith necessary. And so Lewis goes on to talk about how that's not even how we live in relationship with one another, you know, seeking demonstrative proof. And the atheist or the agnostic who was talking to him said, but you're saying a desire f- for God means that, a uh, that God exists. Just like if you, but he's saying, but if you desire bread, that doesn't mean that bread is there. And Lewis says, no, 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 your argument is wrong. It's just that hunger shows that bread exists at all, that there is food in existence, just like your desire for God shows that God is in existence. And so Lewis was popular with the moral argument, but this was an interesting exchange that Lewis had with somebody.
1: And sorry to, you know, add more to the questions which were asked, but, you know, just to add some application to.
0: Yeah, this is, let's do this. Yeah. Yeah, So
1: uh, one thing that, as we were talking about this, one thing that, you know, popped into my mind uh, really quickly was. That you know, this we're, we're t- obviously this is from a a, a Christian worldview lens, uh, kind of the arguments and and a lot of the thinkers that we're we're talking about, but um, thinking more to the fact that you know, if someone asked you to, uh, for example, prove or, or argue the existence of God, I think it would be, um, it wouldn't really be super difficult, or or if the person was you know listening and, and rational, you know, I think that they could say hypothetically yes, God exists, but I think that the the argument mostly comes back to you know we could we could argue the existence of god as this question is posing and we know historically from you know historical texts and not just the bible but um it, it is very much agreed upon that jesus was on earth that he he was here and kind of the connection that for a christian worldview the the the, the piece that um is kind of is left uh, as as doubt in a lot of people's minds i would say is whether or not uh jesus actually was the messiah whether he was god whether he actually was on earth and died and was resurrected. And I think much like, you know, our, our study through the book of Mark, I think that was the, the main um, issue that, you know, many of the people um, were grappling with, even at the time when Jesus was on earth, um, when many of them believed in God and, and they could see Jesus right right in front of them. But many people didn't believe that he actually was the Messiah. And the fact that he was claiming to to be God actually ended up being the biggest problem that people had with him that. Um, if you listen to our later episodes, ended up why they wanted to kill him, why they were plotting against him. And, and I think that it's, it's really interesting to, to kind of uh, think about that, that third piece.
0: Yeah, that's really good. That's just a, a great turn to the gospel that we're we're not just arguing for a theism, we're arguing, arguing for a specific theism, Christianity. And so like Andre's saying, we have to make people deal with the person and work of Jesus. And like one thing I was talking to him about before the episode even began, just thinking about this topic, one thing that's very convincing for me is just the narrative framework of Scripture, that when we were talking to people— scripture and uh, Christianity provides the best narrative and worldview for understanding suffering, for understanding brokenness, for understanding good, for understanding beauty, for understanding relationships, and in a bunch, a bunch more topics, that Christianity provides the best framework for understanding the world, and that's convincing. And so, like, one thing that we've been talking through is a bunch of different arguments, but a uh, philosopher, uh, Soren Kierkegaard, talks about how, and some people have a problem with his argument, but I find it somewhat convincing that one must make a leap of faith to come to Jesus. And he's not saying that you have to Uh, That there's no good arguments for Christianity, that there's not good apologetics or sufficient evidence for the resurrection. He's just saying, you're not going to come to Jesus by assembling a bunch of arguments. At some point, you're just going to have to take this leap of faith and you're going to have to entrust yourself to Jesus. That's how believe in the gospel of John can even be translated, to entrust oneself to. And at some point, we're going to have to take that leap and entrust ourselves to Jesus, which is what we want people to do when we share the gospel.
1: That's really good, man. And I hope that was... Kind of uh, a good resource, or, or you know, a good thought to go through, um, as you know, any any of you try to share the gospel or, or share the gospel with others. And one thing that you know Michael didn't say, but I know he was really uh uh really big on before we started recording was asking people questions, um, and just making sure that you know, through questions, sometimes questions can be just as powerful as as arguments, and making people really uh, think through, uh, for themselves, you know, the existence of God. Christ's ministries on earth, the resurrection, you know, what we, what the you know gospel framework really is. Asking those questions can be really meaningful a lot of times. Uh, but that's really all, all I got for this
0: question. Yeah. So now we're going to take a turn to a lighter question. We have some uh, heavier questions like that, that we're going to try to get to with uh, limited time remaining for this episode, but just real quick, Andre, super light question. Who's going to win the NBA MVP this year? And our asker said his early picks are Luca and, and Trey Young. If you know anything
1: about basketball, then you know that Luka, Doncic, and Trey Young were actually traded for each other on draft night a few years ago. And there's a big debate between you know who won the trade. Potentially both teams won the trade, as we can see. They're both in this MVP discussion. But I hope that Luka wins it. As a Dallas Mavericks fan, um, there's a lot of reasons why I think that it's possible. And if we get our record together, I think that um, it is likely that that could happen, especially with how many rebounds and assists, and you know, basically averaging a triple double. If you know what that is, it's when you have more than 10 points, more than 10 rebounds, and more than 10 assists, and it's a big, big accomplishment. Uh, so hopefully, Luca does win it.
0: Yeah, I think that's good. Uh, I don't think Giannis is gonna pull it out again. I'd love to see, as we've said, LeBron's the goater I have on this podcast. I'd love to see LeBron pull out another one before his time's done. But I'll go with Luca as well. But that's just an early pick, and we have no idea. And so now, just diving into a quick question. You just wanted me to cover this one quickly, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I would say for some background, we got a few other bigger, longer questions that uh, we did want to spend some time talking about. But for the sake of time, we're gonna what we're gonna do is is spend a couple minutes talking about each one, but kind of very quickly, very broad, and, and kind of give you guys more of a, a starting ground for thought on these questions and not not try to go super in-depth. But uh, the first one, Michael's going to go over, and it's progressive versus conservative Christianity.
0: Yeah, so I think that the first thing is we have to define these terms. There's so many loose, arbitrary terms thrown around in the culture, and so I think a lot of people think first about politics, but we need to think first about theology, the Bible, and how it applies to culture. So I would personally argue that conservative theology is good, while conservative pol- politics can manifest itself in good terms and in bad terms, depending on uh, your application of Scripture to policy and just how uh, people act in conservative politics. So, for instance, conservative theology typically tends to mean just clinging to and upholding a traditional uh, Christian orthodoxy on views such as the inerrancy of Scripture, sexuality and marriage, and those sorts of things, which I would say is good. Progressive theology can be good, but one thing that I would say is it tends to fall into this pitfall of postmodernism where you end up with an abandonment of traditional views on sexuality and marriage, the inerrancy of scripture, atonement, and and stuff like that. People saying, well, it's not palatable to preach about the blood of Christ being spilt on the cross, so we need to leave that behind. Well, that'd be a bad manifestation of progressive Christianity. And so I'd say a pitfall of conservative Christianity could be just an unloving view towards people we view as on the outside, whereas progressives could view be more towards a, a liberal abandonment of truth. And so I think that there's good and bad on both sides. But at the end of the day, if we're going to connect this to politics, uh, just real quick, because Andre wanted me to get through this quickly, a Christian's identity can't be rooted in, in voting or in parties or anything, but one in which, thinking of Philippians 3, we have a citizenship in heaven. And so I know there's a lot we could get into there. Um, but that's all I would say if we're just trying to get through a few of these deeper questions in a quicker manner. And so next we're gonna toss one off to Andre, perhaps even a more complex question. You could say, but this guy, somebody said, what are the Bible's views on divorce and getting married again after divorce?
1: Sweet man. Uh, so getting into this question very very quickly, I I want to pull back to a conversation Michael and I were having uh, as we were driving. I I forget where we were coming or going from, but. We're talking about marriage and and divorce uh, more so on the lens that I remember one thing that you had you had said was you know as Christ centered people are you know we our thinking shouldn't be in, in, in divorce to begin with um, we should be looking to uh, one thing that my mom has has always you know, grilled into me even from a young age, and I know that she's prayed over for me is, you know, marrying someone of of the same yoke, someone who's also Christ centered. Um, So it kind of like makes us think of, you know, what actually is the goal of marriage? Clearly it's not divorce, um, but it's the, (laughs) (laughs) but it's, you know, the unification of a a man and woman much in the same way um, of the picture of of Christ um, and the church or Christ and his bride, the church. I mean we should be looking to emulate that uh to uh treat each other with love and respect obviously and, and to make you know a, a promise to um to love and to be with that person um not not to be divorced. So thinking more so to to the actual question which was uh you know views on on divorce and getting remarried after divorce. So there's uh two main points that we wanted to uh, to hit uh very quickly. Uh so the first being when is divorce actually appropriate? In Matthew 5 and uh, verse 32 and, and Matthew 19, uh, it talks about uh, a, a cause for divorce would be adultery. And then in First Corinthians 7, we also see um, a second uh, cause for divorce, which would make it appropriate being abandonment. And whether or not you believe what abandonment means or, or, you know, potentially like leaving the home. There's also a lot of really good arguments for abuse also falling under that uh, because rather than leaving the home, you know, the, the home now becomes unsafe or uninhabitable because yeah, of that's abuse. really good. And so I personally think that, you know, these reasons are, are definitely, you know, very valid reasons for divorce. But then when is uh, remarriage appropriate? So some believe that uh, remarriage is sinful in all cases. And then some others may say that uh, remarriage is okay uh, for the person who was sinned against in the first marriage. So basically the one who uh, was adulterated against or, you know, experienced that abandonment. And there are some, you know, good, you know, reasons for, for both of these thinkings. But basically... Uh, the second thing, would think that if the divorce was on biblical grounds, then it would be okay. So having these two ideas in mind, I think that we would probably lean towards uh, saying that uh, divorce and remarriage would be okay. Um, you know, in the cases that, you know, these two exceptions uh, from scripture uh, took place. So basically, if adultery abandonment uh, took place, then remarriage would be appropriate. You know, we don't really think that, you know, there'd be too much to, to think that. Uh, remarriage would be sinful in all cases or anything like that. Although some people do believe it and and there are arguments for it.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's really good. So that was another hotter and bigger topic that we tried to cover a little bit briefly as we wrap up here. And just lastly, Oh no, here we go. Here we go. Everybody do not flip to the next podcast yet. So I know who submitted this, although I don't know. I I
1: didn't see this.
0: Andre, this was a last minute Q and a question submitted on the Instagram Uh, and then shortly after the Instagram was taken down because we, we already had too many questions that we didn't even get to cover today and I didn't want Andre to see this. So this is a personal question for Andre from somebody that he knows. I don't know, but I know who it was. And the question is how long till you find a wife? Oh my God, (laughs) that's definitely from my cousin.
1: (laughs) My cousin was, (laughs) my cousin sent me a text on New Year's and it said, I don't really know if it was him, but. He said, uh, Happy New Year's, praying you find your wife this year. And uh, (laughs) I was, I thought it was funny, but. I don't know. Definitely uh, a funny question. <laughs> I don't know the answer to it, but thanks for uh, putting me on the spot there, Michael.
0: Yeah, and so uh, that's just a, a lighter question, just for us to wrap up. And uh, man, that, that's just a, gr- a lot of great questions sent in. Unfortunately, we didn't even get to uh, several of them that were sent in, but this is the conclusion of season two. And so, uh, do you have any thoughts as we wrap up? Maybe even mention what's going on next season? Yeah, man.
1: I am, first of all, super thankful for everyone who listens to the podcast. Uh, we've had several days uh, during this podcast where you know we check on and see, oh, wow, we have a bunch of listeners in Washington. So if you're listening out in Washington, you should definitely follow the podcast on Instagram and ask some questions on the next Q&A because I don't think any of you guys out from Washington asked any questions for this one. Um, but it's just super great to see you know people listening from all over the United States and out of this outside of, of the country and other uh, countries as well. And that's super, super encouraging. And I also want to say that I'm super grateful to be able to do the podcast with you, Michael, and and how much I've gotten to learn this season has been great as well, despite the difficulties of not being in the same uh, location when recording much of it.
0: Yeah, man, that was a hill sprint, as Andre said, uh, just recently on a different episode. But yeah, I'm just super thankful for uh, both Andre and just the fact that we get to do this podcast, that God allows us to know him in his word, uh, and just that we get to talk about it. And so a theme of this season could be Mark's theme of his gospel, that we know Christ uh, best, or Jesus best, when we see him on the cross. And so the focus here will always be the cross. And uh, that wraps up season two. So So do you
1: want to give uh, maybe a... A little peek, sneak peek into what next season um, may may hold in terms of what book of the Bible we want to go into. I know you've been wanting to kind of tell tell everyone for a couple weeks now.
0: Yeah, so uh, we were originally supposed to do this next book this season, but then I made the case, to Andre, that we should go chronologically. So we're gonna go with this book. Next season, and we're going to be journeying through Second Corinthians and spending some time with Paul because Second Corinthians is a very personal book for Paul. He's defending his apostleship uh, to false apostles and the people at Corinth, and so I'm sure we'll also be spending some time in Acts and just thinking through Paul's story and looking through Second Corinthians. And uh, the verse just to close out this season might even be Second Corinthians 5:17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and the new has come. And so we get to celebrate that new on this podcast, and we're pumped for. C- season three
1: yeah so while we don't know when season three is going to start uh look out for some potential uh notifications on instagram about it Uh, maybe some bonus episodes we don't know michael just released his top 10 books of the year so check that out as well and you know we'll, we'll be sure to keep in touch with you guys um and be starting to prepare for season three in uh you know potential uh interviews reading uh preparation for second corinthians so we're super excited and we will talk to you guys again soon
0: talk to you guys soon